a part of, you know, being a successful entrepreneur is not purely just following a, a playbook, right? You, you, you have this playbook that I'm sort of laying out for you that will get you a certain distance, but ultimately you still have to make good decisions and you have to have some luck as well. Um, and so what I do specifically is I look at what I've collected. I, you know, either look at my notes from the conversations or if they let me record them, I rewatch them. And I try to, um, I try to rank the information that I get back. And one of the key ranking factors I use is emotions. Hi, my name is Caitlin Pyatt. I'm a professionally certified marketer, and this is the Start Marketing Podcast, where small business owners can find authentic, accessible, and actionable marketing advice to help them grow and scale their businesses. I've worked in marketing for over 13 years, and it's an industry I genuinely love and a craft I believe can revolutionize and propel businesses to unimaginable growth. I'm the director of marketing at a startup, I run the Start Marketing community, and of course, I host this podcast. But I'm also a wife, a mom of three, and my house is generally always chaotic. I like learning about marketing, talking about it, and this is my favorite place to share my love of marketing. If you can't tell, I'm kind of a nerd about it. So I hope you're ready to soak it all in and start marketing. Hey, Start Marketing listeners, and welcome to today's episode where we're going to dive into something that's extremely important to understand because it's the driving force behind all of the marketing decisions you will make, which is understanding your product market fit and your customer. Our guest today is Jeff Solomon. Jeff has a varied startup background as a six-time founder with three exits, most notably selling his SaaS CRM company, Velocify, in 2017 for $128 million. He co-founded the accelerator Amplify.LA in Los Angeles. He teaches high school entrepreneurship and is one of the top advisors on Clarity FM. I have been looking forward to this conversation, so let's dive in. Jeff, welcome to Start Marketing. I'm excited to have you here today. Yeah, awesome to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So you have an impressive background, and you've clearly created many companies that are successful. And I think everyone's kind of initial reaction to hearing that is probably how, right? Like myself, my listeners, I think we all aspire to kind of have the success that you found. So, so that's where I'd like to start. Like, where do you begin when you're building a company? How do you know what you're offering so that hopefully, right, it's something that is successful, that people find value in and, and you get to put out into the world and feel really good about? Where do you start? Absolutely. I mean, what what you kind of said re- related to marketing, that product market fit, it's, you know, always really starting with what's the problem, you know, what is the problem that I'm aiming to solve and really trying to not only identify a problem, but validate whether it's uh, meaningful to a decent sized customer base. I think that's one thing that maybe some founders uh, assume you have to solve a problem for a massive base. Obviously, the bigger the customer base, the larger you can grow. But I found that um, if you start with a little bit smaller base that is um, still big enough, it's easier to get that early traction. And then almost always you can find ways to expand your product and service to grow the market. Um, and so, so I think, you know, really focusing in on a, on, a, on a customer base that has really has that problem that you can validate is in a lot of pain. 
Um, and that's what I always try to sell, start um, for my own companies when I, I teach a high school entrepreneurship class. And that's all we do the whole semester is focus in on problem identification and validation. And um, that really drives everything all the way through to marketing and, and customer service and everything. Absolutely. I think that's something that I learned kind of early on when I was thinking about my business and thinking about this podcast, I had a totally different idea in mind. Mm. And as, a, as soon as I started kind of talking to people that I thought were my target audience, kind of two things happened. One, I found out they were not my target audience. And two, they kind of shed some light on what their pain points really were and kind of helped me refine and kind of mm -hmm. redirect like the direction that I was going to go. And so I think it's really a valuable, a valuable step that, like you said, it kind of gets, it kind of gets overlooked a little bit sometimes. And something else that I want to, I want to emphasize is when you talk about you know, finding a customer base that's big enough is something that I don't hear often enough from people. You know, mm. everybody kind of always thinks like, oh, I have to find this giant audience. But I think that kind of complicates things. And I wonder if that's kind of your experience, or especially early on with some of your earlier companies, you know, was narrowing that focus, did it help you or how did it help you rather than trying to focus, you know, on this kind of huge picture and wrap your mm -hmm. arms around that? I think it helps at every, every part of a company, you know, you'd mentioned you talked to some customers and found out that maybe that wasn't the right target audience, or you heard some other pain points that you weren't thinking about, you know, that is, that is the very first step is going out and actually talking to people that you think you use your best guess these people probably have this problem or might have this problem. And so that's going to be a lot easier to do if your audience is a little bit smaller, right? If, you're, if your audience is billions of people, trying to get accurate validation from 100 of them, is, it's not statistically relevant. But if your initial audience is, you know, a few hundred thousand people and you talk to 100, that's a lot more validating, right? If they all say, you know what, I do have that problem and it sucks and I, you know, I really need to solve it, whatever that's going to be a pretty good indicator that you're onto something. Um, so it starts with that. And then um, as you get into building the product, right, if you are solving for a smaller group, most likely the problems are going to be more similar, right? And so you might need less features in your product. If you're dealing with software or tech or even a service, you might need to do less things to. And interestingly, I've found, and this is the case, not only in my own companies, but with products and services that I use you know, rapidly, it's usually one or two or three things that are the hook, you know, I'll, I'll, with anything I use, if they have that one or two, three things um, that really work for me, I'm going to stick with the product and all the other features and bells and whistles are nice to have, but it's not what keeps me there. And so I'd rather find those few things in a smaller group first, and then, you know, be able to have the resources to expand the product and the service and reach more people with more of those, those little nuggets. You know, and it, it it helps in marketing too. Obviously, like it's a lot easier to target a smaller, more you know specific user base than it does a huge one. It's like you can go to more specific places, you can spend your money more effectively. Um, it's you know it really addresses all the areas of growing a business. Yeah, t totally. I I tell people that all the time when I walk them through. I specialize in in helping small business owners create 
um, a marketing strategy and one that's actually really strategic and and is actually meeting the needs of their business versus, you know, feeling very random and like they're throwing spaghetti at the wall. And something that we talk about all the time, and I've talked about this in entrepreneur groups too, and I've hosted a similar workshop is understanding who your target audience is really simplifies all of the decisions you're going to make, especially when it comes to the marketing aspect, because when you are trying to be all things to all people, that's a ton of work to get done. And Mm -hmm. if you're a solo person, if you're in a startup environment where you have to be really kind of scrappy and resourceful, and you don't necessarily have a ton of people resources and time resources or finances available to you, like that's a lot of work to do if you're not being very targeted. And marketing is really kind of the sum of all of these touch points that you have with the right people at the right time. And so, you know, focusing in and understanding who that customer is streamlines all of those choices. And it allows you to kind of weed out pretty quick, like, okay, I'm wasting my time in these areas, but these ones over here are going to be really beneficial to me because they're meeting my target audience where they're at and, and bringing my, my product or service to them. So you focus when you when you're teaching your entrepreneurship classes and you're you're doing shows like this, right? You talk about and you focus really on helping small business owners and entrepreneurs understand customer development. Mm-hmm. So, what is customer development? You know we've touched on a little bit why it's important, but feel free to expand on on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the the real main thing about customer development is that you actually talk to people. I think a lot of entrepreneurs assume either anecdotally or through a little bit of research that a problem exists for a particular customer, but you really don't know until you have either a face-to-face or a voice conversation with a person. And, you know, the, so that's the fundamental of what it is. It's, it's talking to people, but it's the art of customer development is in how you go about talking to them because in doing so, it's very easy to accidentally plant a seed as I sort of tell my students, right? You can say, hey, do you like X, Y, and Z? And a lot of times you're going to get a false yes or a false no, you know, because they're, you're loading that question with the answer you're looking for. And so it really is a a challenging and nuanced art to ask questions that ultimately let the customers tell you they do or don't have that problem. Um, And we did this really interesting exercise in class in the early days um, of the semester where I give students a prompt. It's nothing to do with the business they're interested in, but it could be a prompt like, what did you have for breakfast? And I tell them they cannot ask that question. They have to get the person to tell them what they had for breakfast by asking other questions, like, tell me about your morning, you know, how, how did you wake up? Were you sleepy? Like, what did you do? What did you get late to school? Whatever kinds of questions they can come up with to get the person to ultimately say, yeah, and I had Cheerios and it was really bad because the milk was bad, whatever. So it's a, it's a fun exercise and surprisingly difficult. You know, they keep looking up at me like, wait, can I say this? Can I, can I ask that? I'm like, no, no. So yeah, that's really the art of custom realm is how you communicate. <laughs> Already turning in in terms of how difficult it would be, uh, but I see what you're saying. When like when you load those questions, you sometimes get those answers that you think like support, you know, kind of falsely supports or falsely 
um, disqualifies your idea because totally. you're you're leading them to that. You're leading them to that. And to your point earlier, you, you had said when you talked to some customers, you found out not only did they not have the problem that you had said um, was the one you were trying to understand, but then you learned some other things. You were like, oh, you have that problem. So by having these open-ended conversations where you're not leading them at all, you might get lucky. And if you get a you know validation that your idea is wrong, you might stumble upon a totally different, even better idea. So you really want to be open to that in those early days where it's like, you're not, you're not tied to your thing. Like if you hear something better, then you can shift because you haven't spent any money or time building something yet, you know, which is the worst. You spend a year building something and quarter million dollars. And then you're, then you put it in the market and people are like, I don't want this. I don't, this isn't for me, you know, and then you're like, right. oh man, what a waste. So how, how do you get to know your customer then? Or I think more importantly, like, where do you, where do you find the people that you think are your target audience in order to have these conversations? Because I think this is a stumbling block that people, people ask me all the time, like, well, where, where do I even find these people? Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I even get them to answer my questions? Because I'm just some person who walked off the street and was like, Hey, I've got, I've got this idea and I'd really like your feedback on it. And they're like, Oh, I don't have time for that. So where do you, where do you find these people and how do you actually engage with them to have yeah. these conversations? Well, I have, I have one technique that I use and I'll, I'll show that in a second, but you know, as I go through in my, that my course I have out on this topic and, and my students are going through this right now, you know, they start out with what they think is the best customer, you know, and they do a little bit of research to get a sense of like, okay, it's, you know, it's you know, men in this age range that, you know, have this kind of job, they kind of come up with a guess. And then they think about, okay, where would those people live? Where would they be? What sites would they be on? What stores would they go to? And they, you know, they, they try to maybe go there and, and ask. Um, that still can be very difficult and certainly uncomfortable. My students in a, in a high school entrepreneurship class have one benefit that maybe a regular entrepreneur doesn't have, which is they can say they're students, you know, so it, it kind of breaks the ice. Like, hey, I'm a student entrepreneur club class. I'm researching X, Y, and Z. Can you talk for a minute? So they get a lot more yeses in that case. So the one tactic that I found that works well um, is I use Facebook groups as a starting point because there's literally a Facebook group for everything, every single possible target topic, customer, everything. And um, I start in there and I engage a little bit and in, in in join a group that I think has the right kind of person. So like, for example, with a, a company that I'm, I'm sort of building on the side called Marka Puro, we thought product managers were in a right market fit for us. And so I went in, there's tons of product management groups on Facebook. So I went in there and I started answering a few questions and just being helpful and useful and getting my name in there. It took me a couple of days. And then I post a survey in there. Um, and I talk about this a lot in my course. The survey does have a few questions that are useful, but that is not the goal of the survey to get data. The goal of the survey is to get someone to say, yes, I will talk to you further. And so I start, I have, you know, five or six questions that are pretty easy, you know, certainly multiple choice, no paragraph style questions. And it's just to get the person in the mindset, make sure they're the right kind of person. And then the last question is, hey, are you willing to talk to me for 15 minutes on the phone or a Zoom call? And, you know, I usually get 15 to 20% yeses on that question. And if I can get, you know, 20 or 30 people to fill it out, I've got some conversations. And that's the first way I start, you know, and it's the easiest way to get that first 10 people. And I mean, I think a lot of entrepreneurs 
if they do believe or are willing to do this work before launching something, they think they need to talk to thousands and thousands of people. Certainly that would be great, like if you could. But I think just talking to 10 people is like such a big improvement over zero, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I try to tell people, just start with that, like get 10 and see what you hear. Because if you hear 10 people to just not validate at all, that's a kind of a good indicator. And if you hear half of them validate and half of them not, then talk to 10 more. But it's just start very simply with that. And that's not that hard. Yeah, I, that's really good advice to kind of not go for the whole enchilada at once to just mm -hmm. say, hey, I'm going to throw out a few questions and make sure that you are the right person. I'm going to kind of pre-qualify you. Yep. And then I'm going to ask for kind of that next step because I think um, you know, I've made that mistake before. I've like put together this whole thing and I'm like, eh, it's like, you know, it'll take you a few minutes, but it would really help me. And people are like, no, I'm not. Right. Gonna. It's very you daunting. Know? Yeah. I, you know, and I was, I was trying to talk to other marketers and they're like, no, 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 I, I don't have time for that. And, and so by trial and error, I learned like, Hey, if I throw out just a little bit, you know, if I throw out a couple of questions, people will answer a couple of questions yep. and then some of them will volunteer and be like, Hey, you can DM me. I'd love to talk to you exactly. more about this. So exactly. And that's the key. Cause you can't, when you're in a survey, you can't, um, you can't audible if someone puts a great answer and then you, you think in your head, Oh, I would have asked this next. If they said that, that's the key. Um, you know, is, uh, is being able to, to change your conversation in the middle of it. And you can't do that on paper. You can only do that in person or, you know, via voice. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. Um, so once, once I have all of this information, I think kind of the next logical question is like, what, what do I do with it? How do I, how do I refine my product? How do I understand what's, really relevant and meaningful feedback to help me kind of hone in on like bettering my product or service or, you know, shifting my target audience a little. And how do I know what's irrelevant and that I just need to kind of disregard and say, you know what, that's one person out of the 15 I talked to. Yeah. I think that that question is largely a part of, you know, being a successful entrepreneur is not purely just following a, a playbook, right? You, you, you have this playbook that I'm sort of laying out for you that will get you a certain distance, but ultimately you still have to make good decisions and you have to have some luck as well. Um, and so what I do specifically is I look at what I've collected. I, you know, either look at my notes from the conversations or if they let me record them, I rewatch them. And I try to, um, I try to rank the information that I get back. And one of the key ranking factors I use is emotions. I try to jot those down as I hear people talking to me. And when their emotions go up or down, or they get happy or excited or sad or frustrated, when I hear those, I, I mark that down because those are the biggest indicators of um, significance, right? If they say like, oh yeah, you know, I do that. It's, it's kind of a pain, like whatever it's not as significant as like, oh my God, last time I did that, I had to sleep for two days. It was such a nightmare. You know, so hearing those emotions that are tied to their responses is the key indicator that I use to validate whether I should make a decision based on that information or let it sort of fall to the wayside. 
And then the decisions are exactly what you said. Do I alter the product idea or the service to accommodate for that particular thing? Um, do I adjust my customer? Like, oh, this is a product manager, but really this is a product manager at a particular type of company. And therefore my product should be targeted at those kinds of companies versus just all product managers in, in this example that I gave. Um, and so you make those refinement decisions and that's, you know, that ultimately comes with experience, you know, and that's why you see a lot of serial entrepreneurs having bigger and better successes um, and also moving faster. Like my first exit took me 14 years, you know, to get to the exit. So it was a long time. And I think, you know, as you practice this work, uh, you get better and better at identifying things quicker and quicker. Um, and, and you can bring market products to market faster that work and spend less money and, less stress, all that stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's really, I've never heard anybody um, say, you know, to like to use those emotions as an indicator. And I really appreciate that approach because I think it really kind of humanizes the aspect of finding your target audience, catering to them, and really kind of learning and understanding who they are as, as people, right? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like, people are buying from you. They are mm -hmm. humans with emotions and thoughts and needs. It's not just, you know, it's not just this, this robot on the other end of not your yet. marketing, <laughs> not yet, <laughs> um, you know, on the other end of your, your marketing, that's, that's coming in and, and ultimately purchasing from you. And so I appreciate that using those emotions, like, and hearing somebody say like, hey, there's value in those. And I think that's something too, like, as I'm listening to you talk about it, even thinking about how I would alter kind of the the way that I talk about my product or my service, mm -hmm. right? It How it would influence my marketing if I paid better attention not just to kind of like the traditional objections that people kind of raise during like market research periods. But if I paid closer attention to when those emotions occur, gosh, how much better could I speak to my target audience about my product or service? How much different could my marketing look, sound, or feel mm -hmm. if those emotions, you know, kind of played a bigger part in it and it wasn't necessarily focused on just, um, you know, kind of the marketing best practices. For, for sure. Yeah. I, I use the term impact, you know, when I'm talking to students, I say, you know, what is the impact of that particular thing on the person? And is it a positive impact, a negative impact? And the more significant the impact, like they really feel something, um, that's a great indicator that you're, you've got, you know, you've got some good data there. So as we kind of think about all of this information and kind of this playbook that you've laid out in terms of how to really understand your customer and to really kind of get to know them so that you can speak well to them. What is one actionable step? So if listeners are like, okay, this is not something I've taken a lot of time to do. What is one step that they can do today to really kind of better understand their customers and go down this path so that they can be more successful, not just in their marketing, but in their business overall? I mean, I think if if they already have a business up and running and they're they're they have some customers, as simple and obvious as this sounds, 
and I think it's surprisingly not done. I don't like to do it, which is just talk to those people, like pick up the phone and, and talk to someone that's an existing customer. That's like, not they're going to talk to you, you know, and just, you know, get a sense of what's going on for them and, you know, hear them, you know, and that feels good. Like, I love it when companies that I use their products reach out to me and want to hear what I have to say. It makes me feel great. I love it. So they do too. Um, that's the lowest hanging fruit. If you're starting from scratch and you have no customers, then you have to kind of go through the process I sort of described. But, you know, it's, I don't love, like I'm enjoying talking to you, but generally I don't love talking to people. Like I'd rather just sit behind a computer and type code and, you know, build things and, you know, design websites and do all that stuff. Um, it's safe, you know, but talking to another person where they might, say something that makes, you know, they might give you some bad news. In fact, I tell, I tell everyone I talk to you, like, don't be afraid of bad news. You know, inherently, I think most people are afraid of bad news, but really it's the opportunities to embrace that bad news because inside that, that, you know, negative feedback is an opportunity to, you know, improve. Um, and so I really just encourage people to just, you know, message one of their clients and say, Hey, you've got 15 minutes to chat with me. I want to hear what's going on, you know? And, um, that's that's probably the lowest hanging fruit is to do that not have to do a big survey and all this stuff to all your people and just just talk to one person and see what see what you get and that will you know if you do a good job of that it'll lead to additional things you'll be like oh i heard this oh i want to ask someone else about that or this other client i remember them mentioning in an email about that let me go follow up with them you know it kind of it's like a catalyst to more more discussions you know, and that's the best thing you do. I think in my course, I point this out, but like there are some great startups that have done this really well. I think Airbnb is one of the best. Um, you know, when, when Chesky started Airbnb, you know, he was literally living in Airbnbs and living with his customer for the first year of the business and talking to them, finding out what worked for them, what didn't work for them. He was like, he was in the middle of it. And that gave them incredible insight into what was needed for their product. And they iterated rapidly. And obviously that's been a huge success. Um, that's what you got to do. Mm -hmm. I, I can't, I cannot underscore enough, like how important understanding your customer is, especially, you know, I, I focus on, I focus on marketing, but just in your, in your business in general, like the, the example that I used at the beginning, you know, where I said, hey, talking to people changed the course of mm -hmm. my my initial kind of product offering. It changed my idea on who my target audience is. And I cannot, I cannot impress enough upon upon listeners and when I do workshops around kind of marketing strategy, is that even though this doesn't understanding your customer doesn't necessarily sound like a marketing function out the gate. It really, it really truly is because it's going to, it's going to really drive the decisions you make in terms of how you talk to those people, where you talk to those people. How do you know, how do you know where to find them? How do you know where to put any type of right. advertising? Where to run if your ads. Pay, yeah. If I'm going to pay for ads, where are they going to go? If I right. don't know who they are, you know, my marketing is really just spaghetti marketing. It's throwing something at the wall, hoping something sticks, and then not really understanding when something does go well, why it went well, right? right? Because I can't, I have no context. And, and most of the time, it comes back to really understanding 
who that target audience is, who is your customer, who's who is the ideal person to consume your product or your service. And all of that is really going to make not just your entire business, but especially your marketing, really, really um, functional for you. And I know that sounds, I know it sounds obvious. I know people are like, well, obviously marketing should like work for you, but it's not, I don't think it's uncommon when no, you're first kind work. of starting out for or sure. as a small business to be like, I don't know, I'm doing marketing stuff and things, but I don't really know. I don't even I don't think know it's actually working. doing anything for me. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of where I, I truly, it, it starts. If, if I'm having a conversation and somebody can't tell me about their target audience. I'm like, well, here's where our work starts, right? Yeah, I mean, even just just kind of what you just said, like if you have an existing client base, like do you even know you have, let's say you have a hundred customers paying you right now and let's say you're a B2B product, like do you know what each of those people does for a living? Like what is their job, you know? Just knowing that, what if you found out that 70 of the hundred were customer service reps, you know, that would be really insightful, you know, clearly people that do customer service for a living find your product valuable. Well, why? And, you know, to your point, it's like, it helps all your decisions, like where should I market or, you know, I should do this or not do this, but it also makes the decisions about the actual materials easier, right? If you're building a website and you have to come up with a, a hero tagline at the top of the page, the very first thing people see, it's going to be a lot easier to write that if you're targeting a specific person, if you have to target 50 different people with one message, that's going to be very hard. And most likely it's going to be at best good for each of those people, but not great, you know? So find that out and focus on that. All right, listeners. So if you have not taken the time to understand your customer, I hope today's conversation is the catalyst for you to go out and for you to do that. So Jeff, thank you for your time and your expertise. I genuinely appreciate it. Where can listeners find you and connect with you? So probably the best place which has sort of access to all my stuff is my personal website, which is bak.me. You can find my course on Udemy from there. You can uh, connect with me through Clarity if you want to do follow-up conversations with me, LinkedIn, all that stuff. So it's my blog's there. Everything is kind of starts from that point. So uh, bak.me. Awesome. All right. Start marketing listeners. You've got some actionable advice to go out, understand your customers and help your marketing be more awesome than it is today. And that you can feel confident that you're meeting the right people at the right place, the right time, the right message. You know, the, you know, it. I talk about it all the time. So if you've enjoyed today's episode as much as I have, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to help other listeners like you find this podcast until next time.